Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We've come now to Acts chapter 18. We've been looking at Paul's second missionary journey, and we've seen his travels through Asia Minor, across the Aegean to the region of Macedonia, and the events that transpired in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and eventually leading him down to the city of Athens. We just finished spending several sessions in Acts chapter 17, looking at Paul's great speech to the Areopagus at uh, Athens. And now today, we are traveling from Athens to the uh, metropolitan region of Corinth, a major trade center in the Mediterranean world. So we'll be looking at Acts chapter 13 and verses 1 through 11. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them because he was of the same trade, and he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray as we begin today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul so powerfully and boldly proclaimed throughout his travels in the Mediterranean world. And now as we consider the events that transpire in the city of Corinth, that you would, by your Spirit, encourage our hearts and help us to learn from it so that we could be better followers of the Lord Jesus today. It's in his great name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to give you a little bit of background on the city of Corinth before we dive into these verses. Uh, Corinth was a major site on the isthmus or little land strip that connected the mainland area of Achaia in Greece to the Peloponnese, the southern uh, territory south of Achaia. 
It was a site near where there would be held the Isthmian Games, which were the second largest games in the Greek world, only to the Olympian Games. This was held every other year, and so uh, travelers would come from all over the region to stay in Corinth and in its corresponding villages and towns. Now, Corinth held an upper city and a lower city. The upper city was called the Acro-Corinth and had several temples. The most prominent temple of these would have been the temple to Aphrodite and the temple cult that participated with uh, Aphrodite's temple was one of a large number of prostitutes who worked within the vicinity. In fact, some uh, Greek authors actually say there may have been around a thousand of these temple prostitutes who worked up on the upper city, but also would go down into the lower city, uh, sometimes at night to mingle with the people down there. Uh, in the lower city, there was a main marketplace area where Paul likely uh, made tents and shared the gospel. Off of this marketplace, there has been found from a little bit later in the 4th century AD, a lintel uh, over a doorway that reads in part, Synagogue of the Jews, testifying to the reality of Jewish presence here. And so this was likely the area where the synagogue was. And as we'll read in just a moment, the area where the house of Titius Justus was. Uh, there's also a territory uh, area off of the uh, main road here that would have held the tribunal or the Bema seat where Paul would later stand before the proconsul in verses 12 through 17. So archaeologically much to see at the site of Corinth. Now in verses 1 through 4, Paul arrives in Corinth and makes acquaintance with Aquila, a Jew from Italy, from Rome, who is a native of Pontus, which is in Asia Minor, and his wife Priscilla, who's with him. Claudius, the Roman emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, this is probably the same event that the historian Suetonius writes about in his work, The Life of Claudius, when he says, Since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, which is probably a reference to Christ here, he expelled them from Rome. This would have taken place in the ninth year of Claudius, uh, which took place January 24th of A.D. 49 to January 23rd of A.D. 50. This puts us in the spring of probably A.D. 51 for Paul's stay, the beginning of Paul's stay in Corinth. Were Aquila and Priscilla believers in Christ by this time, or did they come to faith as a result of their interaction with Paul? Well, Luke doesn't share the specifics here. Uh, had they already taken uh, or received the gospel during their stay in Rome? It seems likely, uh, because of the fact that we don't have any explicit sharing of the gospel from Paul to these individuals here, that they may have been believers in Christ already at this point, which means the gospel may have gone forth all the way into Rome uh, prior to uh, Paul's ever having visited there or his uh, ministry into Macedonia. Whatever the case, Paul stays with Aquila and Priscilla since they're all tent makers. 
making tents likely for the participants uh, in the Isthmian Games near Corinth. And so as he's doing this by day, uh, he's also taking the opportunity to reason with the Jews in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks, as we read in verse 4. Now in verses 5 through 11, Silas and Timothy arrive and begin to minister with Paul in Corinth. Silas and Timothy had been left in Thessalonica. Now they may have actually come to Paul while he was in Athens, based on what we read in 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, 1 through 2. And in our next several sessions, we'll look at the letters of 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Uh, they may have then joined Paul in Athens and then been sent back to Thessalonica for continued ministry there. Whatever the case, now they are both rejoining Paul in the city of Corinth while he's occupied with the word, the text says. He is testifying to the Jews in Corinth that Jesus was the Messiah, the King of Israel, who was promised. This is really a common theme throughout Paul's preaching that we saw beginning in Acts chapter 13, where Paul argues very powerfully in the synagogue of Antioch of Pisidia that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to David uh, the, of the coming king who would sit on David's throne and his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. So he is arguing that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. As in other areas, when the Jews oppose the gospel of Jesus spoken by Paul, he takes it to the Gentiles. He shakes out his garments, uh, really in fulfillment of what Jesus had commanded back in the gospels. We read in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 14, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. And so Paul is shaking himself out, shaking the dust out of his garments and off of his feet as he takes the gospel from the Jews to the Gentiles. Paul enters the home of Titius Justus, who was likely a Gentile proselyte to Judaism. He may have even participated in uh, some of the synagogue worship there. And so his house is spoken of as being next door to the synagogue in Corinth. And we, I already mentioned a lintel bearing the partial inscription Synagogue of the Hebrews that dates to the 4th century uh, AD in Corinth. This is likely evidence of a Jewish presence in that city for some time before that as well as synagogues were typically uh, rebuilt or updated in the same location. We hear of an individual by the name of Crispus, who is the ruler of the synagogue, and because Crispus believes in Jesus, uh, his entire household comes to faith in Christ as well. Notice that Luke records Jesus being called the Lord here. The Lord is a common title for Jesus, not only in Luke's writings, but also in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, so we see just how high and exalted they view Jesus as God. Crispus' conversion leads to not only the conversion of his household, but also a, a great testimony among the Corinthians 
who hear Paul and believe and are baptized. Notice the order there. They hear the gospel through Paul. They believe, they have faith, and then they're baptized. Those who want to argue that baptism is necessary for salvation should make note that faith comes prior to the sign of baptism. Baptism is really an external sign or symbol of the internal reality of faith that has already occurred. It is faith that saves us, not baptism. Baptism is a demonstration of what the Holy Spirit has already done within our heart. Now, in verses 9 and, and following, the Lord Jesus speaks to Paul in a vision once again one evening, and he says that he should not be afraid, but should continue to speak and not be silent. He promises Paul his protection through his time of ministry in Corinth. He says, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. Notice the key phrase there, I am with you. Jesus is continuing to be present with Paul through his spirit, which abides with him day by day. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God dwells within you. And so in a very real way, Jesus abides with you from day to day through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not divided uh, you have the entirety of God dwelling with you and abiding with you. Uh, Jesus says to Paul that there are many in the city who are his people. Now, this is an indication that God knew beforehand those who would receive Christ by faith in Corinth even before they had yet believed. And so because of this assurance that's given by the Lord, Paul stays in the city of Corinth for a year and six months. This would have been the spring of AD 51 to the fall of AD 52, based on the events of uh, verses 12 through 17, which are key verses for dating the life and ministry of Paul. It's wonderful to know that the Lord knows beforehand those who are going to come to faith in him. From our perspective, we don't have that information. And so we want to do everything in our power to share the good news of the Lord Jesus, knowing that God has uh, planned who is going to uh, come to faith. He knows that beforehand. And so our job is really to seek out those individuals by sharing the gospel with everyone that we come into contact with. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.